Thanks for joining us on the King Law Podcast, where we give you a lawyer's perspective on anything legal or not. From criminal law, personal injury, and trending legal topics, we're your back pocket legal guide. What are PFAS chemicals? Yeah, PFAS is uh, important to everybody. Forever chemicals, it's been in the news a bunch. We have been working on AFFF in firefighter cases. Firefighters get cancer and various illnesses because of PFAS, but now we're doing work for municipalities and PFAS in the water supplies. Um, working with Mike Stagg, mostly around New York State, but really there's clients all over the country. Um, these are a group of man-made chemicals and they don't break down. That's why they call them forever chemicals. Um, and what are the PFAS chemicals used for? The biggest use, um, I think, is firefighting foam. Puts out high temperature fires, fires of jet fuel, things like that. Uh, so instead of spraying water on a fire, you spray this chemical, it doesn't break down, it suffocates the fire, the fire goes out. Also appears in things like outdoor rugs, waterproof clothing, Teflon cookware, but there's an awful lot of it in various water supplies and because it doesn't break down. So I believe a lot of that is from firefighting foam. The firefighting foam usually in training centers gets sprayed on the ground, percolates through the ground, gets into the water supply and just doesn't break down. So wherever it accumulates, we're on Lake Ontario here. Uh, there's PFAS in Lake Ontario and, and other Great Lakes. Uh, so what does PFAS do to your body? Yes, yeah, so there's at this point, I think indisputable evidence that PFAS has negative impacts on your body. PFAS has been around for a while. We've known about it. Um, firefighting foam came out in the 60s. Widespread use uh, probably in the 40s was created. But um, so when I was in law school about 20 years ago, people knew that Teflon got PFAS into your blood and the defense was, well, it doesn't do anything. And it pretty clearly is related to uh, various illnesses testicular cancer, uh, thyroid disease, various others. And, and the real question is, where's the line? Uh, there's five or six that are certain, certainly related to PFAS exposure. And there's, uh, I think, pretty good evidence that prostate cancer can be related to PFAS exposure. And you know, what, where the line is, I think, is what we're litigating right now. I'm sure there's probably more. You don't know about it yeah, yet. Yeah, and we can put a list up on the, on yeah. the screen. Um, Sometimes they call them the leech injuries. Um, that was a famous case about 20 years ago. There was a community that was exposed to tremendous amounts of, of PFAS and their, their levels of six illnesses, everything from high cholesterol to kidney cancer, um, ulcerative colitis. So that's almost like a study, a case study for a whole community, about 3,500 people. Um, they call them the leech injuries. And uh, those are, I think, widely accepted as definitely related to PFAS, and then there's some others that I think the, the science shows are also related. So tell me again, what kind of products um, are in, contain PFAS? Yeah, some, some makeup has PFAS. Um, anything that has water from a municipal water source, there's trace elements of PFAS in a lot of water. And, and I think um, we're representing a lot of municipalities, and I hope kind of the public views what has happened as a success there are low levels of PFAS in a lot of water supplies. And I, the action that, that's been taken really by plaintiff's lawyers and to the credit of the defendants, they've accepted responsibility and have agreed to pay settlements uh, before it got too bad. You know, we're talking about some of our municipalities, one, two, three parts per trillion. 
and scientists will say that's a one drop in 20 swimming pools. And it's still serious. Um, the, the FDA and the EPA, and they're talking about a level of four parts per trillion is acceptable. So these municipalities are under that. But um, Well, it's interesting because I don't think I even told you. I was away. And you know when you go to the grocery store and you're buy the prepared foods and then you go and sit down and they have the forks and the knives and the plates, whatever you need. There were plates there that said PFAS free. I was like, what? The, the, uh, <laughs> well, there's a kind of a famous class action going on right now. It's the orange juice case, Simply Orange. Yeah. Um, and and the class action is it's it's not and i think their tagline is like just mm -hmm. orange juice or just oranges and water yeah and uh there's not. a class action that says well no they're, they're not advertising accurately because there's pfos and they're yeah. using a water supply that has pfos and i just uh, thought it was interesting i was like they're on plates too yeah okay. products but um that teflon coating um whether it's cookware or waterproof clothing and then firefighting foam is is the big one okay. that's just uh, been used anywhere near airports if you have a well near an airport really um high possibility of contamination especially well, a commercial airport or an air an air force air force bases mm -hmm. um, the levels there are thousands of parts per trillion much higher than we see in most of the municipalities hmm. Let's talk about the lawsuit. What is the PFAS lawsuit? Yeah, PFAS lawsuit is what we call an MDL, a multi-district litigation. It's a federal lawsuit. So the idea is instead of having a few cases in every federal, federal court in the United States, they consolidate all the cases. And this MDL is in Charleston, South Carolina, and it's been going on for a number of years. There's different parts to it. There's the municipal water claims, which have been partially settled. There's the personal injury claims, which started with firefighters, but also can be drinking water um, near contamination sources. And then there will be a third prong of the MDL that will involve contaminated sites like airports. Okay, so I'm really breaking this down today, uh, but let's talk about it again. How do PFAS chemicals get into the water? Yeah, so it's water flows everywhere. How do mm -hmm. things get into the water? Uh, I think the most common way that PFAS get in the water is from a airport of some sort or a, a firefighting foam training facility where firefighting foam gets sprayed onto the ground. It rains. It goes down through the ground into the groundwater. And then once it's in the groundwater, the groundwater moves. Mm -hmm. And for our purposes, the PFAS chemicals do not break down. Um, so, for example, if you have even gasoline or something like that and it goes into the water, it, it deteriorates mm -hmm. or it's not there forever. It It's there for a period of time and it. But these are these are forever chemicals, so yeah, they're not right. breaking down. Yeah. So, so they, they have call, to go somewhere. Yeah. And, and they do break down in some ways, but you talk about a half life. So what's a half life? A half life is the chemical breaks in half and there's half as much of it in a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. The half life of some of these PFAS chemicals is a thousand years. So if you put it an ounce of it in the water today, a thousand years from now, there's half an ounce. Right. So um, in our case, they're forever. <laughs> for, for our purposes, yeah. it's forever enough. Right. Um, all right. And that means the levels never go down. So even though the levels are low, we got to deal with this and get it out and, and not only 
not drink, ingest, bathe in, breathe the steam from um, this water, mm -hmm. but also stop putting the stuff into the water, right. which is, uh, I think you heard it here first, maybe, um, it's gonna be water outflows are gonna be tested um, right now. So sewage treatment plants, right now there's no standard for putting things back into the water. Um, that's gonna be next in my prediction. Mm -hmm. um, to change, yeah. Yeah, there, there's also, I think, gonna be some testing around dumps um, because all these things that have been thrown in the dump, whether it's old carpets that have old cookware, old clothing that have PFAS, um, right. as they leach, uh, the other stuff in the dump breaks down, it leaches out, where does all the stuff go? Right. It gets into the water and the breakdown, and then you're going to have dump sites, whether um, they're, they're major landfills. And I think there's PFAS probably going to get into the water from those sites at some point. And, and I think, you know, hopefully the dumps are appropriately monitored at this point. Yeah. Um, so this is probably self-explanatory at this point, but does PFAS cause cancer? PFAS certainly causes some cancers. The, the only question is how many does it cause? Is it six, seven, 10, 12 different kinds of cancer? Um, I'll defer to the scientists on that, but uh, we'll put a list up of the ones, the, the cases that we're taking, we're representing people that have cancer and have PFAS exposure and uh, try to share the resources that we've come across through our representation. How many Americans do you think have been exposed to PFAS? I think conservative estimates are there's PFAS in about half the water in the United States. So you've certainly been exposed. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if you've traveled at all, you've drink water in different locations, bathed in different water, taken showers at a hotel, you've been in different places. Uh, generally, we're seeing higher PFAS levels near more industrial areas, mm -hmm. um, older places. There's less PFAS generally in the Adirondack Mountains than there is in New York City. Um, okay, right. You I also, think. you talk about um, really contaminated areas, um, areas that have major industry, but sometimes the water supply. So for example, um, even cities that we live in Rochester or Buffalo, old school blue collar um, towns that have a lot of industry and have some contamination, whether it's from Kodak or Bethlehem Steel or something like that, mm -hmm. but, but we're drawing our water off of the Great Lakes. So the water itself is relatively clean, even though the land can be pretty contaminated. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's just from the water, not even like the nonstick stuff or anything yeah. like that. I think that the other thing that, that you know we're really interested in all the time is our veterans and our uh, people who served in the military, mm -hmm. even non-veterans, but civilians who served on military bases. Uh, fires are bad for soldiers, right? So they've been a lot of people trained in how to put out fires. A fire on a Navy ship is not a good thing. Everybody gets trained in putting out fires. Well, what that means is there's been a hell of a lot of training with AFFF and firefighting foam on military bases for 50, 60, or 70 years. And they've keep putting it on the ground, keep putting it on the ground. Uh, I think, and the Department of Defense has said that, their Superfund sites set up various military bases have been very contaminated. And then 
just because the base is contaminated, does that mean the water supply is contaminated? Not necessarily. Are the bases using public water? Some are, some aren't, most aren't. Um, so that's another area that we're um, investigating is the contamination of the water supplies and the land on military bases, especially Air Force bases. How much PFAS is dangerous? I don't think there's any safe amount of PFAS exposure. Uh, the EPA is coming out with a standard of four parts per trillion. It's a, a question of amount, but do you want to consume PFAS? No, you don't. Mm -hmm. Why are PFAS called forever chemicals? Yeah. PFAS is kind of the umbrella uh, that's used for a number of different chemicals, the, the most common of which is PFOS and then PFOA. And they are called forever chemicals because they don't break down in the natural environment very well. Will they break down? Scientists think they'll break down over the course of between one and 10,000 years. So for our purposes, the levels of PFAS in the environment don't go down. And as you keep using PFAS and introducing it into the environment, the levels continue to go up. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because science has shown that PFAS causes things like cancer. Right. Like within our lifetime, the level won't go down. If anything, it's going to go up. It, I can tell you right now it's going to go up because there's still PFAS in firefighting foam. There's still PFAS in um, waterproof clothing. Mm -hmm. And there's PFAS in dumps. There's PFAS in rugs. There's It's in our environment. And whatever it's held in, what whatever product it's contained in, will break down and the PFAS has to go somewhere. Right. Um, how can you remove PFAS from drinking water? So there's a few different ways you get PFAS out of drinking water. Um, for our purposes, either active carbon filtration, which in my opinion is more effective at a lower contamination level, and then reverse osmosis will get everything. I mean, essentially you're producing water without anything else, reverse osmosis. Um, active carbon works well, but you then end up with the carbon filtrate itself and you that's infused with PFAS and you gotta do something with that. And if there's a lot of PFAS in it, you go through a lot of it, it's expensive and you have to get rid of, um, it's, it kinda looks like carbon dust okay. or carbon sand, mm -hmm. I guess, is the filter that goes in the water um, filtration system at the municipal plant. Are PFAS chemicals still used? PFAS chemicals are still used. Uh, there's been a lot of developments recently. Um, states are starting to enact laws, phase outs of PFAS in waterproof clothing. And the biggest one is the Department of Defense has uh, agreed to a phase out plan of, of certain types of firefighting foam. Okay. And uh, the question is, is the new type of firefighting foam any more healthy? Well. It's, we don't know, we don't know. TBD. Uh, but yeah, PFAS, is, PFAS are out there. Um, how long does PFAS stay in your system? Uh, PFAS can stay in your blood for a very long time, uh, maybe forever, it, at least partially. The, the levels can go down if you stop the exposure. The exposure, the biggest exposures that I know of are contamination sites. Um, like Air Force bases or firefighters who are exposed to the foam on a regular basis. And, and we can really tell pretty accurately from a blood test what type of exposure a person's getting. So who can file a PFAS lawsuit? Yeah. 
we are representing municipalities who have positive tests for PFAS in their water, who have an airport or a contaminated site, uh, training site, something like that. And then we're representing individuals who have illnesses related to PFAS exposure. The list is there. Um, and generally that is firefighters. That's how we started our involvement in PFAS, AFFF, firefighters and, and cancer. Um, but also individuals probably on military bases or from a known contamination site that were exposed to um, high levels of PFAS in their water. Um, how much is the PFAS lawsuit payout? So it's a great question. Yeah. We, we never know what cases are worth and it's until they're over, but you talk about the way we come up with damages in any case is the pain and suffering that a person went through. And we're talking about very serious injuries, very serious illnesses, um, strong science that shows the relationship between chemicals produced by chemical companies and individuals. You talk about firefighters, first responders who are people trying to serve the community and are exposed to toxic chemicals. Um, Past cases will give us some some guidance of what potential settlement values are, but I think we're minimally talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you talk about what someone's life worth. What is the suffering from cancer um, worth? You also one of the considerations that plaintiffs law firms always have is it doesn't do anyone any good if the companies go bankrupt. Um, and you're talking about major corporations here, these chemical producers, which is not good, but the financial resources are good. Uh, when you talk about a 3M, a DuPont, a Dow, BASF, these are major corporations um, that have, I, I think they're actively engaged in trying to resolve their liability at this point. So who are you suing in these water cases? We're suing the chemical companies, the companies that produce PFAS. And what what we're generally saying is the chemical companies uh, knew or should have known that the product would exist in the environment for a long time and it would pose health risks to to the people and they need to be um, compensated for the injuries that they've had or cleaning up the water supply uh, for the municipalities, producing safe water for all the residents to, to drink and bathe in. Gotcha. And then what is a PFAS claim? Uh, a PFAS claim most likely would be a, a lawsuit submitted in the multi-district litigation in South Carolina claiming exposure to PFAS and um, in injury because of that exposure. Great. So I don't know from all these questions being answered, PFAS is not good. <laughs> PFAS is bad. Yeah, read your water supply. I mean, the. The thing I would, it's amazing. We represent all these municipalities and we're getting all this information. And the thing, um, I think we live in New York and uh, we're, we have a fair bit of government here in New York more than I would generally like most of the time. But there, there was a law that was passed about five years ago that required municipalities to test for PFAS. And uh, that was a good thing. That's a good thing. And there's a tremendous amount of information for people in some states, but not in other states that talk about what's in your water. I mean, just the, 
we're looking at PFAS as part of this case, but you read the municipal water report, every single municipality in New York issues one of these. I didn't even know they were out there till we got, and it talks about, has there ever been a positive test for lead? Has there ever been a positive test for high levels of chlorine? Where does the water come from? How much water is produced? The, um, how much does it cost? I mean, th- right. there's a lot of information and it's really something that affects everybody's life every single day. Yeah. Well, knowledge is power, so. Yeah. Read test. your water report. If your yeah. municipality doesn't um, issue one, you sh- they should. Ask for it, yeah. yeah. That concludes this episode of the King Law Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and check out our socials at King Law Attorneys. And if you've happened to have been injured or charged with a crime, now you know who to call. King Law, take charge.